Hey folks, I'm here today to tell you about Visible. Something unfortunate about wireless services, what you see isn't always what you get. But with Visible, what you see is what you get. No perception check required. Switch to Visible, the wireless company that makes wireless visible. Get a one-line plan with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon for just $25 a month, taxes and fees included. If you're looking for a carrier that is upfront with no hidden fees, then go to Visible.com to make the switch. You don't need more than one line of wireless to save, and you're going to be getting unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon. Visible is the wireless carrier that's constantly operating from a zone of truth. In their quest for total transparency, Visible wants you to know the monthly rate on the Visible plan. For data management practices and additional terms, visit Visible.com. Save on wireless without the hassle. Switch to Visible today and save at Visible.com. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. All right, go ahead and roll for Perception. I got a 13. Hey, that's pretty good. With that, you can tell there's some fantasy situations going on. You hear some adult language, and with that, you can tell this podcast probably isn't for kids. Hey, everybody, and welcome to the Dungeon Cast. I'm Will. And I'm Brian. This is the podcast where we talk about everything Dungeons and Dragons, from troubling traps to trashy trolls. And today, we're talking about treasure, we're talking about loot, and we're talking about magic items. That's three things. Prepare yourselves. <laughs> So, so Brian, today we're talking about um, that cash. We're talking about cash. Yeah, that good cash. You know, your boy likes the good cash. (laughs) Yeah, I know, I know. Yeah, we're talking about uh, loot. We're talking about the the fun stuff, you know, the th- the reason adventurers go forth and slay monsters and delve into dungeons. Every time I play D anD D, I get disappointed when I kill an enemy and a bunch of gold just doesn't like pile up on the ground. Yeah, like in my favorite Vigi games. <laughs> I I know how you feel. I actually, uh, there's a I don't know. I can't. Him. I can't say if the story is funny or not. But when I when I was there DMing it, it, it got a laugh out of me. Uh, I was DMing a game. It was a one shot. One of those dragon one shots. I think I told you about where it's like sometimes you just got to fight a dragon, so you do a one shot where you do. Yep. And they go through this dungeon. They kill these kobolds. They get to the end. There's a big old white dragon. They fight it. They kill it. And rather than look for its horde, like. Uh, which would be the logical thing to do. <laughs> the um, I think it was the fighter uh, in the party. He just, apropos of nothing, just like, I cut open its stomach and look for treasure. I was like, what? <laughs> what? Like, why? Why would you think that? Why would you think it's there? Gold, uh, but I mean, uh, I guess the Metallic video, dragons are eating. Nothing. Only golds. Only golds. And, uh, you know, <laughs> okay, so maybe in that case. Maybe. But, like, I think it's That's just, a stretch it's for the, sure. Yeah, it's a video gamer inside a lot of us. It's just like, you know, you kill should the monster, be loot drops Where's treasure, my instant reward? Yeah, which makes zero sense. Yeah, we're playing D&D. Yeah. It doesn't work like that. You know, I had an idea where, and you can hit you can hit me with it, whether or not this exists already, but yeah. if you roll an investigation to search a body or something like that, yeah. maybe you could base how much gold they get 
Like there's gold on everybody. You just have to roll investigation. If you roll a two, you get five gold. And if you roll a, a 19, you get like 50 gold. Um, I, I, People do it that way. I don't, okay. ju- I don't tend to do it that way just because like the only, like I, I encourage players if they want to investigate a body to search for loot, you should, uh, or go right ahead and do it. It's just the investigation check for me isn't going to get you anything unless the, per- the body that you're looting specifically has hidden caches, like maybe like coins in their socks you know what i mean oh, like for sure like because like if if they have coins in their pockets and coins in their purse you don't need an investigation check anyone's gonna find those yeah and you but probably if, at that point battle's over you probably have infinite time exactly but if they have say a hidden pocket in their cloak that holds some sort of item right uh, you need that investigation check right. so that's what investigation was gonna get you at least in my games um so let's start before let's we're gonna do this in order of value and we're gonna start with just uh, coins. We're gonna start with money. Um, yeah, let's and, talk economy. Yeah, we're gonna talk a little bit about economy in this game too because I think that's important. In my games, it's not important, but in a lot of people's games it can be, and I yeah. want, I want to talk about that. Um, so in five E D and D, there are five uh, coinage coin types of coins types of currency. I know, I know that there is a word for like coins, but. Wait, moving on. Coins. There's copper, silver, electrum, gold, and platinum. You know, I've seen a lot of about electrum. Yeah. But I'm always like, what the hell is that? Uh, honestly, electrum, it's, it's a cool name for a really dumb concept, uh, which is basically it is equal parts gold and silver mixed together. What the hell? And it's just like, why? That sounds like you ruined two perfectly good coins. Right, exactly. And the thing is, electrum gets a lot of hate in, in a lot of D&D circles because no one ever uses the the, the darn stuff. Um I have heard some cool ideas about like um I've I've seen cool concepts where it's like everyone else is using like gold and copper and silver, but the elves specifically only use electrum and that's their currency. Oh, it's starting to sound cooler sexy to me. Elves. Yeah, did it did it instantly sound cooler? <laughs> yes. Because that's how I felt. I was like, ooh, I like that. So now we uh, just like the way it looks. Yeah, it just it looks awesome. And elves would just do that because of that inherent they got, reason. They got the time. Yeah, exactly. Let's they do, do some bullshit. <laughs> uh, exactly. So um I'm gonna I'm gonna be honest here and I I think there are a lot of DMs that do what I do in this regard, but I know there are a lot that don't i tend to completely ignore copper and silver mostly because it's complicated uh yeah mostly because i don't have the time and i don't give a shit but like a lot of dms do and another reason that i tend to ignore it is because the coinage is so small it's like well it's like dealing with change in american currencies like we deal with dollars i don't deal with quarters and pennies and that's very much how i feel about uh copper and silver coinage in D D. um that being said when you do that, it does mess with like the cost of things in the player's handbook because there are things that cost like only five copper or like ten silver. Instead, like the minimum it can cost is one gold, and that's gonna. But like if you're playing a game that doesn't pay attention to that kind of things too closely, it doesn't matter. I see. So it really, it really all depends on like how how crazy you want to get with it. Yeah, I mean, like I can see that being the style of game you play where like you are accounting for your food every day. You Mm -hmm. need to like there's really uh, strict rules about casting magic with like what kind of gold you need to spend to do certain things. Yeah, that's components. Yeah, that's right. Uh, Gemstones, which are a form of currency in in its own way and coins can often be uh, spell components. Right. And we we, I see those um, in, in my games as well. Those are mechanics that are really like detail oriented. 
but I'm skipping over them usually in favor of narrative. Yeah, absolutely. And I do, I do the same thing. I don't think a lot of people do. And that's not saying that that's better because I, I would love to play in a game where yeah, resource details, management. Yeah, that's cool. But I do not want to dungeon master that game. No, I don't thank know. you. I, I frankly yeah. do not have the time to do that right yeah, now. <laughs> no, I just don't. I just don't. Um, in 4th edition, there was actually, um, Electrum didn't exist in that edition, but one cool thing, in 4th edition, there was a uh, even higher currency than Platinum called Astral Diamonds, which oh, was shit, okay. basically the currency of the heavens. Right on. And because, like, by the time you, you hit, like, level 21 or whatever, like, you're basically, you're not really working in the Prime Material Plane anymore. You're you're doing... You're on the bigger fish. You're on the bigger fish, and, like, you're in the Astral Sea doing shit, and so that's their currency. And, like, one Astral Diamond was worth something like a million gold. That sounds like D&D a, hard mode. Yeah, it's just, like, you know what it reminds me of? It reminds me of uh, those, those Gosh Pond... Um, games that you play on your on your smartphone uh-huh. that just have like a billion types of currencies oh. and they're like they're increasingly harder to get to get you to actual pay real cash for yes you know i play those games i love those kind of games that, that's and i try uh, and avoid spending actual like, cash on them i'm i'm doing shit on the river sticks and i need to like get like you know it's like hercules style stuff like yeah. you're you're yeah, doing you're up so. here now yeah absolutely okay so um Here's the thing, when when you're doling out uh, loot to your players, like, sometimes it's fun to get a sack of gold, but, like, sometimes you want to spice it up, and honestly, I like to to, to spice it up just to, like, kind of give the players a headache to deal with, Is and that's, there are other ways to dish out things of value. You, you can dish out gemstones, and there's whole charts in the Dungeon Master Guide of, like, what gemstones are worth what and how you can dole them out. Um, jewelry, sculpture, silks, just art objects in general. Indeed. Um, I like the idea of giving these things to players and then them having to sort out what the fuck to do with it. Yeah, you're going to have to find somebody to sell it. It's like a barter system almost. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. They got to go to someone, get it appraised, then they got to barter and yeah, it's, it's a whole it's a whole <laughs> ordeal. And I kind of like that. It's kind of fun. And it makes sense because like there's not just going to be piles of coins fucking everywhere they go. Right, like, okay. Dragons don't just hoard coins and most monsters hoard stuff that don't even hoard coins at all um i i'm thinking of um the hobbit movies where they get to smog's um hoard of treasure and it's just it's literally like a pile of gold yeah like he's swimming in a pile of gold yeah and i think like ancient dragons will have that much gold but like there's other things in the gold like there's giant statues and other goblets and things like that exactly yeah and and those are types of things that you can dish out as well that's pretty cool now the question is, how much do you give to your players? Um, the Dungeon Master Guide has pretty good... Okay, so the Dungeon Master Guide for 5th edition uh, has tables for, like, all the loot. Whether it's um, art objects, uh, magic objects, or just plain old treasure. And I find that it's pretty well balanced. Okay. Which is pretty impressive considering that the whole magic item system of 5e is completely predicated on the fact that it's unbalanced but they do a pretty good job because the fact of the matter is and we'll get to magic items a little later in the episode um magic items break this fucking game yeah they're supposed to it's like magic is supposed to break the rules yeah exactly and magic items are often way too powerful for anyone lower than level five because it makes you almost instantly op and we'll talk a little bit about that because so that that like kind of um your 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 mechanical abilities kind of level off later on, so the magic items like are kind of work more in tandem, more balanced. Uh, it's just that monsters start to get really powerful. Okay, and yeah. and adding the the bonuses that these magic items give mean less than they would at like level two to three, where like you just 
you would just true. I think I, at level two, I gave you a fire potion and you fucking bombed on <laughs> yes. some fools. Hell yes, I did. Yeah. That was your mistake. Yeah. <laughs> I, thought, no, I really thought you were going to save it. but uh, uh, Well, yeah, and I might There's have. some but, misunderstandings there. <laughs> yeah, there were. I thought I had more than I than I actually had. But OK, well, well before we move on to magic items, uh, we'll, we'll talk a little bit more about um, about cash. Um, cash. So. One cool thing I've considered doing but haven't bothered to in um, a lot of my campaigns is spicing up coinage. Um, in real life, not all money is historically held in similar value. Like right. even simultaneously, well, even like now, like an American dollar versus an Australian dollar, American dollar is much higher value uh, according to our world perception of what value is. And so on so, and so on. So on and so on. Yeah, exactly. And it's been like that since the dawn of man. And to the point where you could have like well i like the idea of elves having electrum because that literally is a built-in kind of value displacement okay but like you could literally just have like elven gold of a certain empire dwarven gold of a certain kingdom and human gold of a certain commonwealth Mark, marked coin marked coin have strictly different value depending on which region you're spending it in right. and like usually the way that goes is if you're spending it in the region it's from it holds more value than other coins of similar weight now, and like that is some complicated shit. Yes, that's some name of the wind shit. That's some Pat- Patrick Rothfuss loves his whole coinage economies and how all that works. He really gets into describing it. And like, it's very fascinating to read. I wouldn't want to DM this necessarily, but I do think it's a really cool concept. You it, might want to consider. I guess it's kind of easy if you're going from, okay, you guys were in like elven territory and you yeah. move into dwarven territory and you better go to the bank and cash and swatch out your Oh swap yeah, out that's your another thing is like the elves might not accept a certain type of coinage. You yeah, know, your five hundos right. might turn into three hundos right. and etc yeah exactly um what that means i don't know but yeah and that's that all just depends on how the dungeon master wants to rule stuff um another thing is too like if it what if it's like what if it's like really mint gold coins from an empire two thousand years gone and like it's been oh, kept shit, in this like cavern yeah straight suddenly, buried treasure th- yeah yeah exactly suddenly these gold doubloons are worth five times their weight in gold because of their <laughs> historical value like <laughs> Yeah, there you go. So, uh, so yeah, that's something to consider. That's kind of fun. I think that's cool. Um, I don't really do this in my game, but like my games, I'm not a stickler for details like this. Okay. But again, I would love to play in these types of games. I have, uh, and unbeknownst to you now, but you're welcome uh, for the spoiler. Okay. <laughs> I have incorporated uh, a system, which you, you might know, but it's um, I've incorporated um, like fake money into your game. Oh, like well, forged money. Well, I I mean, I already know about some fake gems. Yes. Yeah. And, but there it's much. You Welcome to the rabbit hole. Oh, no. Yeah. The whole economy is <laughs> built on lies. <laughs> well, well, Whoa, shit. we got like was, was I closer. Than- you got coins and you got gems and you'll you'll see. OK. But okay. The, what I'm saying is like there are people like basically like in the real world, like printing money, like forging money. Is that something we were going to get into in the notes? Because. That was that was like um, a fun little thing. For you know, me to do. I've never really thought about it, but yeah, I mean, false money can be a thing. Uh, I wouldn't do that too often because it's going to piss off your players. But well, that's yes, yeah. yes, um, it will. Yeah, I'm sure, <laughs> I'm sure it will. Um, but uh, but yeah, that is something you could totally do. Like you find all this loot and like. It, you know, in in three, I think it might be three point five. I know for sure in Pathfinder there was literally an appraisal skill. Okay. And I kind of wish this skill was in fifth edition. Like, and now you just kind of use raw intelligence skills. But I just like it as its own individual skill for particularly shrewd characters. But um, 
But yeah, like an appraisal skill would be nice when coming to recognizing counterfeit cash, counter, yeah. counterfeit gems, and or counterfeit just like, magic items. Too. Or, or, I or found, I found this like painting. Is it priceless? Let's yeah, find out. Exactly. Roll the C20. That's exactly right. So I think that's a cool cool uh, skill to have. It's it's so cool that I w- would even consider homebrewing it, it onto the skill list. Just fuck it. It's a skill list. Pick which classes can choose from it. It's based off intelligence. There you go. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. So so yeah. Um, Artificer has proficiency. Maybe. Yeah, I would. Let's see, who would I give it to? The wizard, um, artificer. Um, I would. Give there it, you have it, folks. I would give it. <laughs> I know, right? No, I would give it to the cleric of. Uh, if you worship like a, a god of fortune, because sometimes if you, for instance, if you worship a god of nature and take the nature domain, you suddenly get like three extra skills to choose from. True. I would do something like that. And, okay. And a, a few others, I'm sure. Maybe the warlock. All Anyways, right. moving on. Um, but yeah, false, false. Uh, loot i kind of like that it's really cool so let's talk a little bit about magic items because magic items have gone through a major transformation since fourth edition um in fourth edition they were super built in to the point where you could not like after like level five if you didn't have like a magic weapon a magic armor slot filled and a magic neck slot filled like you were underpowered and slowly falling further and further behind okay and that is another thing too in fourth edition it was like you had like i might have been as many as 11 let's see there was like hand arm weapon armor um neck back waist that sounds like Diablo. Like yeah. Every weapon yeah. slot had like, like a video gems. game. Yeah. Like a video game. And like, I will say this for sure. Like, I'm not a huge, uh, I'm not one of those people that likes to say fourth edition was built like a video game. But it, when it comes to this, yes, this is very much like a video oh, game. Oh, the, the battle system. Yeah. Like and, the and combat. Battle system, definitely. It, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, so you had all these slots that you had to fill. Well, you didn't have to. The only three that you absolutely had to were um weapon because those are your attacks armor because it was ac and your neck item boosted your other three defenses which were reflex will fortitude. and fortitude yeah. yeah um so and neck items for things like cloaks or amulets and stuff like that nice. um in this game it's not like that at all there are no slots it the dmg literally says just use common sense you can't put on two types of footwear you can't put on two <laughs> cloaks like True. it's just not going to work out i mean you you I mean, could. you could with the cloaks, but Idiot. like, Read yeah, a book. that'd be dumb. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, so we go from, from this meticulous have to have them constantly filling these slots built into the mechanics to the complete opposite with fifth edition. You don't ever have to have them. Well, I think by a certain level, if you don't have a magic weapon, you're probably going to be in trouble because a lot of higher level monsters resist damage that's not magical. Yes. I've noticed that. Yeah. But other than that, like you don't have to have them. Uh, and you can play whole games without um, magic items at all. Um, and I, I, this is way better, but it also has this pitfall. So, like, with 4th edition, one of the issues was with magic items that you had to have all the time and all these slots you had to fill, means you were finding magic items all the time. And since in 4th edition, most magic items, like, had really boring, like, special effects... Magic items really lost their luster, really lost their mystique. They didn't feel like anything special. I don't like that. I don't think most D&D players like that. Okay. Uh, magic items should feel important and yeah. awesome and great. On the other hand, they're so can they're considered so rare in like the vanilla 5e D&D that like I don't know, like they're just not common enough for me. Like I like it to be somewhere in between. Like you can go if you're adventuring and you're delving into these like hidden places. Yeah. 
there should be some cool and, shit. And the thing is, like, and it's hard to even just dole it out because there's so many, like, any almost any magic sword in the game is too, way too powerful for anyone below level five. So there are some cool ways to kind of homebrew up some, like, weaker uh, magic items. Uh, there, in the Dungeon Master's Guide, there's, like, this small, I, I, I guess you could call it a chart. And it's not for this. It's for spicing up magic items that already exist, like, by giving them, like, extra minor okay. kind of uh, attributes. But rather than that, I just take a basic weapon and give them one or two of these minor attributes. Bam, you got a magic weapon that does some cool shit that isn't overpowered. But it's a very limited chart. There's only, like, I think there's, like, two or three of them, and they only go from, like, a D1 to, like, they only go from 1 to 10, basically. Okay. So you only have, like, 20 or 30 options, which is plenty, but, like, you still are going to want more as a dungeon master. I see. Okay. There's a really cool website, which for the life of me, I do not remember the name of, but oh, I dang. will, and we will link it, but it's literally... Check the kinda, description. There's yeah, check the description, because it'll be there. And I <laughs> use this thing all the time for my lower level players, and it's hundreds of attributes you can attach to a weapon that are much, much weaker than uh, any of the normal magic items from the Dungeon Master's Guide. And you can attach just one attribute, two, three, as many as you want, and it's a really good resource for coming up with magic items that you can give to players lower than the level of six. It'll feel special, it'll be useful, it'll be fun, but it won't be overpowered. Cool. Should we take a short rest? I think think it's time. Let's do it. Let's do it. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout, 15% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify is great. They're taking businesses of all sizes, cradling them in their arms, to help them grow by giving them the tools they need. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S., and Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success at every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash dungeoncast, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash dungeoncast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash dungeoncast. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it. Or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. 
That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz and how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts. Hey everybody, welcome to the part of the show where we stop talking about that last thing. It was kind of complicated. Let's talk about something else. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, can we talk about how much we love the people that are hearing our voices? I love you. We love you. Thank you guys. <laughs> you guys are really great and uh, we appreciate all the feedback and comments we've been getting. It's uh, it's it's really awesome. Yeah. Um, As a matter of fact, we love you so much that we are uh, running a brand new contest. There's a new contest. Yes, we are going to be giving away two. Two, count them. The new and upcoming book. The new and upcoming book. Uh, God, what was it called? Uh, Xanathar's Guide to Everything. Xanathar's Guide to Everything. (laughs) Which is going to be an awesome book. It's basically going to be, uh, well, from what I could tell, it's basically going to be the... Uh, equivalent of like a player's handbook too. It's going to have the new, player's handbook too. Yeah, it's going to have new options for all the classes. Um, it's going to have. I think it's mostly made up of unearthed arcana that's was, now been officially approved. I yeah. was just about to ask you. So that you, is really cool. Yeah. So if you've been rocking some unearthed arcana stuff between uh, the beginning of the of this edition and now. Uh, there's a good chance it might be in this book in its official format. So Hell yeah, this is that sounds like a must buy to me. Yes, I think Xanathar's Guide is the first book outside of maybe Volo's Guide um, that is a must buy. Like I'm definitely, I'm definitely buying Volo's it. And guide we're giving is great away to two. Have. Yes, yeah. we're giving um, away two. Uh, we're gonna. So if you want, if you want, okay. don't buy it. Win it. Yeah, win it. By listening to the Dungeon Cast. Yeah, so after this episode airs, we will begin the contest, and the way you enter this contest is by tweeting a link to the show with the hashtag Dungeon Cast. Find us at the Dungeon Cast on Twitter. If you don't already follow us there, you should, because you can win Xanathar's Guide. Yeah, a must-buy. Player's it, Handbook, too. Exactly. Um, so, yeah, other than that... Uh, Just tell your friends about us, please. Yeah, please. Oh, my God. Yeah, spread, spread the words. You see that word. person on your left? How about the person on your right? One of those persons is bound to like D&D, I hope. Tell them about the show. Tell them both about the show. The person on your left and your right. Tell them about the show right now. Please do. Are you on a bus? Are you listening to us on a bus? (laughs) Look to your left and right, then all over the rest of the bus, and tell everybody about our podcast. (laughs) (laughs) What's the Dungeon Cast? Tell them you can find it on SoundCloud.com slash The Dungeon Cast. You can find it on iTunes, and if you do find it there, please leave us a rate and subscribe. We'd really appreciate it. And we're also on YouTube, where you can see our gorgeous faces. Search the Dungeon Cast and you can find us there. But other than that, I'm out of things to say and I want to just finish resting real bad. Yeah, me too. Me too. Hit die. Let's go back to the show. And we're back. On the move. Okay, so this episode really has kind of been all over the place. I'm going to try and like take a deep breath. Let's reorganize. Money. Let's keep talking about money. <laughs> no, I think I think we're done talking about coinage unless you had any uh questions about coinage. What else we got? Um oh you mean yeah, in, what's in next? we're we're gonna focus mostly on magic items. Okay. Um Okay, one thing though about this would coinage. be in our loot category. Uh yeah, sure. Okay. It's treasure, loot, treasure. magic items, you know, however you want to organize them. Right on. Uh speaking of organizing them, doling them out can be difficult. And I said this earlier in the episode, there are charts. To do like randomized tables and okay. I find these to be pretty balanced and I like to use them a lot but I don't use them too often because like when you randomize stuff sometimes it doesn't make sense like why would this writer have 
a potion of fire giant strength. Like, I mean, yeah. that doesn't make necessarily or like why would this be sense. here? Yeah, why would this be here yeah. at any time? And, and, oh, and oh, that's random. And yeah, it is because you randomized it. Yeah, and you could always just come up for with a with a reason for it afterwards, and that's fine. But a lot of times, I like to meticulously like build my like loot piles for I see. Uh, players. I kind of like that makes sense. I kind of like the idea of like. This guy had this shit on him. Like, who is this person? And there was a separate storyline going on that maybe right. you'll never find out about. I like that. That's a cool idea. Yeah. I like that a lot. And, and I think that's a pretty common way that adventurers get their loot off of other dead adventurers. Other dead adventurers. Yeah, it happens all the time. Don't cross um, paths with other adventurers. They're hostile murder hobos. Yeah, we, we talked about how um, magic items in this game are kind of built to be broken. Um, they do... Do a little bit of not as in to break them as in to break the rules. Yeah, break the rules. Uh, they do do a little bit of housekeeping uh, with some of the more powerful items where they require what's called attunement. Yes, okay. Um, which I think you have to spend like an hour, like of focus uh, with the item in question, and then you can attune yourself. And the way that's that's like one limiting factor, and then the other is that a, a player can only be attuned to three items at any given time. It's a fucking horcrux. You're soul bound to it. It yeah, has invaded your yeah. mind. I mean, sure. <laughs> the Horcrux soul bounds to you. I mean, isn't a Horcrux part of your soul? It's part like, of somebody's soul. Yeah. No. Then no, Brian. That's, <laughs> That's not, not attunement. No. Okay. Attunement is it's just like a, a magical mental bond, if you will. Okay. And uh, with that, and it's also kind of nice because if you're attuned to the sword, other people can't use it. That's how magic things nice. make friends. They just attune. There you go. Oh yeah. Speaking of friends, like some magic items are sentient. We'll talk about that. In a little we did bit. talk about that in the um, Metallic Dragons episode. We did. Well, we mentioned sentient swords for bronzes like, or coppers. Um, that was for brass. 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 They like Damn, talking. I was way off the yeah. mark. Well, no, you just called to you were <laughs> yeah yeah you were. Um, <laughs> so uh, let's talk about. Let's see. We talked about equipment slots. We talked about. Oh yeah. Let's talk about the worth of these items. Yeah. Do can I sell? Uh, can I go to town and sell my magic items? In game, it says no. Okay, so five E says, "Uh, uh-uh, don't do that." But it doesn't make sense. It's like somebody's gonna pay something for yeah, it. Yeah, exactly. And like, okay, so the main thing that the dungeon master guy said is that you can't buy magic items because they're priceless. Right? Who would want to like what normal shopkeep would sell them to you, feeble adventurer? Right. The problem with this, from my standpoint, is like, well, if you have one, all of a sudden you have this priceless object you could probably make a ridiculous amount of cash and if you're flashing that yeah. and somebody sees you they're gonna they're some people are gonna try to murk you for it oh yeah absolutely i've never really explored that idea but that is that is a really good point like if you have like an adventurer wandering around he has like i don't know a really nice magic cloak on he might get ambushed by some thieves that want it yeah absolutely um but no what i'm trying to say is um okay you have this magic sort of legend that's like Worth a king's ransom. Hell yeah, sounds what cool. What if I'm into a it. king will fucking do exactly actually, that? <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly Hire that. Some All of a sudden, like you're set up with a badass castle, and like uh, you're you're a lord now with a house title, and like you have like a whole mount of treasure and like lands to take care of. Like now, what do you do? Like I don't know. When you're dealing out treasure to your players, like you got to keep this in mind if you're playing by these rules of they're priceless. Like. You can yeah. just straight rob your players. Like the king says that he wants your magic sword. Oh yeah, there's that too. But I just mean like if <laughs> if you make your players that wealthy, now what? Like yeah, they're kind of they're gonna settle down maybe. 
Yeah, and and that's totally possible, but it kills the campaign pretty quick if they do that. Yeah, um, you essentially died. Time to roll a new character. Yeah, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. I'm just saying as a dungeon master, if you're dealing with priceless items and you're giving out these priceless legendary items, like um, be prepared for this possibility because it makes sense. Yeah, from role play. I mean, discuss that with your players. Like, hey, like I was maybe not. I was thinking about giving you this magic item, but like, yeah. who think about your player? Who is this guy, and are they gonna just quit adventuring if they get enough money? Right. Yeah, like that. Maybe that's their goal. And if you satisfy the goal at like level twelve, and you're going for a level fifteen campaign, you've essentially ended this person's adventure. Right. Exactly. That's exactly right. Um. I, we've talked a bit about how, like, most magic items are too powerful for characters under level 5, and it, that is true. There are plenty of items that um, are kind of designed for lower level play, though, that are, you don't have to do some of the homebrew stuff that I had talked about when it comes to assigning, like, sure. weaker, weaker attributes to magic items. What do you uh, got? Mostly, it's mostly, like, things like potions and mm-hmm. uh, spell scrolls are a big one. Oh, okay, spell cool. scrolls are spell kind rolls. of fun because it's, like you get this one-off access to a spell much higher than you're used to. Like, that's kind of cool. Yeah, like a magic feather duster that casts, casts levitate. Like exactly. Adventure Zone has that. And then there's, like, um, I think I homebrewed oh. a little bit of your fire-breathing potion. Yeah, but I'm talking to, like, it's a spell scroll. <clears throat> yeah, you which, you open it up and it expends the, th- that spell. Yeah, you open it up, you breathe the words, bam, you're done. It disintegrates. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and I think there are some rules where a wizard who finds a scroll can copy the scroll into his book, and when he's the appropriate level... He can now cast that spell without his book disintegrating. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, and that's the thing about wizards is like theoretically, a wizard who's really dedicated to the task can learn a ridiculous amount of spells compared to any other. You caster get class. so many. Yeah, so so many. Um, there's a cool table in the Dungeon Master's Guide that it talks about mixing potions and getting like crazy effects. That's right. Yeah, and it could be anything from like mixing uh, damage types to doubling damage to weakening them to like doing. All kinds of crazy stuff. I think low-level magic items are cool. Like, if you, like, oh, you find a ring, it now you resist cold damage. Yeah. That's it. That's yeah. what the ring does. Yeah, you and get, there are... You get ten of them or it, whatever. It, it's kind of funny to me because there are rings totally like that, and they're definitely designed for any tier of play, including including lower tier. But in fourth edition, rings were a uh, item slot designed for, like, if you were below level 12, you didn't fuck with rings. They were so powerful. Like rings, oh, yeah, yeah. So like, you didn't get rings until you're past like level twelve, righteous. So, which is weird. They're so um, handy, but that's just how fourth edition was. So, um, some some items are sentient. Usually, they're going to be weapons. It's probably the most common one. Like you have a sentient sword or a sentient wand or a sentient axe. Now, does um, are, when you when you're saying this, is it like? Is it psychic? Is it talking in your head? Does it have a mouth? Is it like a cartoon sword with like a fucking varying levels? Okay, it could be all of those things, any of those things. So sometimes a sentient sword doesn't have a voice or even much intelligence, but it does. That's the thing about all sentient items. Now you have to assign a intelligence, wisdom, and charisma score to (laughs) all these personality. Do they are they making these items making saves if they're like in the blast zone Um, of a spell? Not necessarily. No, not usually. Nothing like that. But uh, but they do have personalities. Usually. They're going to have some form of communication with with others, whether it be strictly with their holder and strictly through like like an, an empathic like kind of psychic, just a feeling that you get like uh like pleasant like what's the word? satisfied okay or, or stuff like that or displeased okay. Stuff, okay. stuff like that. 
to blatant telepathy with all things within range of it, and it just <laughs> blah 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 blah, and Holy tells shit. you all about its its ideas and its concepts and its political. That beliefs. can get messy. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so so yeah, uh, and that's the thing. Like once you do that, you have an NPC that's with the with the players, and like it has a personality, and that can mess with team dynamics, which can be in an awesome and fun way. Yeah. Um. So sentient sentient items are really cool. Any other questions about sending sending items? Uh, usually higher tiers of play. Usually, yeah, no, like, well, what are the st- if it's if you have a sentient sword, like the stats must be like pretty high on this thing, right? Like plus five to attack. What are we talking about? Here? Um, so in fifth edition, m- magic items don't really get above plus three to attack. Okay. Um, I mean, you could homebrew it, but I can't think of any item in the in the Dungeon Master's Guide that has that, which is again very different. Fourth edition, in fourth edition, I think items went up to at least like all the way up to maybe a, as high as a plus seven to attack. Shit, which is crazy. Okay, but yeah, it, so generally no, but like yeah, you'll see if it's like a legendary sending it sword, it'll be like a plus three to attack, all ice damage all the time, uh, plus a built-in frost spell. Yeah, shoot ray of frost. Yeah, and it hates all things not frosty. Nice. Because it's sentient. It hates you. Don't touch it. Yeah. Well, no. By holding it, you are oh, you by become frosty, frosty now frosty. The frosty sword and of you legend. You resist cold at cool. that point. And probably fire. That's Ooh. a really powerful magic item we're talking about. Yeah, that's nice. I wouldn't be surprised if what we just described actually exists in some book somewhere. I mean, resisting resisting elemental breaths seems to be really good. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Um, there are there are magic items that are cut above the rest. All magic items are incredibly rare. And they can get rare to the point of like being like almost legendary or even legendary, but there's still um, a cut above that, and they're called artifacts. Now these things act; they double as magic items, but they also double as like its its own mechanic. So like, uh, there's an artifact called the Axe of Dwarven Lords, which has some crazy lore that I can't remember off the top of my head behind it, but it's basically I think it was crafted by some dwarven deity and it's sentient and it basically wishes for the prosperity and and glory for all dwarves and usually doesn't like to be in the hands of anything that's not a dwarf and it has an entire agenda and like if you aren't if you are meeting its agendas appropriately it will gain power and give you extra power but if you do things that are against its alignment and what it wants it will slowly begin to reject you and you will lose power and a bunch of other stuff and so they have all these massive bonus powers plus like whatever they usually have like a base which like it'll be i don't know what the axe of dwarven lords like base magic item is but like a magic item might be basically a plus three dragon slayer with all this extra bonus shit that you get if you're playing by the rules of this weapon and it's not always a weapon like sometimes like there are two legendary uh artifacts that i can think of uh the eye uh, and the hand of Vecna, which is a god. It would be the eye and the hand of the lich corpse he left behind when oh, rising to godhood. Yeah, that sounds strong. Yeah, yeah, and usually stuff like that is like really evil. Attune wants you to do evil, turns you to evil, and it's very, very powerful. I haven't gotten my hands as a player onto too many magic items, really. Yeah, I- because I'm pretty sparing with them. Um, yeah, they should be like rewards for like on this scale. There should be like huge rewards, like yeah. a long dungeon crawl with like a big bad at the end, or right. like you like went into a castle and raided and like right. got some dope shit out of their vault or whatever. Yeah. Now so there are some items that I consider to be on artifact level that actually are just 
uh, magic items that you can you can uh, run into at any level. And the main one that I'm thinking of is I don't know if we've talked about this the the deck of many things. The deck of many things. The deck of many things. Is that where this you throw is, a card? Um, you don't. And throw it becomes a card. it something. No. Oh, okay, maybe I'm no, mixing no, no. it up with magic beans. The magic de- beans are fresh as hell. By yes, the way, they are cool. The deck of many things is one of the most legendary items in D anD. d And I don't mean in game. I mean out of game. Everyone who plays D anD. d kind of knows what the deck of many things is. And now I do too. And now you're about to. Yeah. <laughs> I can't remember how many cards are in it. I think it's something like 28 or something like that. But it's okay. like literally a deck of ca- deck of cards, and each they're they're kind of like tarot oh, cards. And each card has what the fuck? They'd use that in Critical Role, nah? I wouldn't be surprised. It's like every campaign runs into one eventually. Okay. Uh, usually, I this is this is my personal. You can like role. make illusion magic and and shit happens. Like you make a copy of yourself or like something uh, random happens. Is that it? It's kind of random. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Tell Let me, me what just it is. explain. Yeah. All right. So the deck of many things uh, has. Uh, an X amount of cards. I think it's like 28, but I could be completely wrong on that. But that's not what's important. What's important is each one is it's much like a tarot card where it's like a, a fool or a king or or whatever okay. picture is on it. And each one causes some not random. Each one is assigned some crazy ass effect. And I mean crazy. It could be anything from you and everyone you know is now dead. Or you are you are now uh, the richest man in all the land, or you have been granted the wish spell, or you have been transported to another dimension, or or no, here's one that I know actually exists is like uh, you have now become the enemy of an incredibly powerful entity from another realm of existence, and they are devoting all their agency into destroying you. That's bullshit. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, why are we using the, like... There are good things, too, that come right. from this deck of many things. But, and, like, a lot of people like to gamble with their pool. So, it is a gam- So it is randomized. So, like, tell me if I were in-game to use this deck of many things. Um, You would pull a card from the deck, and I would have a chart ready, because I, I have this deck ready in-game. And, um... I mean, well, well, let's see what happens. You might pull the fool. You might pull the burning tower. Who knows what you'll pull, but it might be great or it might be horrible. But what's like the, so I'm walking down the road uh-huh. and I pull out my little deck. Okay. Why can't I just like flip through them? Are they all blank until I pull one at random? Or you know, like what's I don't really know. I would, I would imagine like there is, you literally have to shuffle it in order to get the magical word. You have to shuffle it. Okay. Cut it, put it and like. I would even go as far to say is like you can't count these cards because if you do, the magic won't work. You have to do it at random, and the magic will know if you have or, n- or if you haven't. Because it's magic. Yeah, because it's magic. Uh, and then you pull a card, flip it, you look at it, and the second you see it, bam, shit happens. So can you just keep doing that? You can keep pulling, yeah. But like I, I think that like it's like a two to three ratio on bad to good. So uh, like yeah, no. So why I, I've are heard we... stories of people pulling like five goods in a row. Oh, fuck. That's awesome. Lucky them. Why are we doing this? Because people are crazy. (laughs) (laughs) I don't put... Okay, so here's my my rule when it comes to deck of many things. When it comes to my game, I always have one deck of many game, deck of many things, in the campaign somewhere. somewhere. Okay. I have... At the beginning of my campaign, I choose where it is, and I put it there, and I put it in a place. And if, by some means, you find it when you go to that place, uh, if you go to that place, um, then you find it. But if you don't, you never will. Like I, and I that's will, cool. And I will put it somewhere where, like, uh, somewhere along the path of the adventure. Yeah, give like, them an opportunity. Exactly. To, like, I'll, well, because you can play the freestyle version of the game where, like, I'm dropping it here, and like 
Good luck if you go there. Right. Yeah. Well, for me, it's like I have a general idea of how the campaign's going to go. And like, yeah. I'll put it in one of the major key locations you are very likely to go. And I'll put it in a very hidden place. And if you find it, you do. If you don't, you don't. And other than that, I'm not going to worry about it. But that's just cool. my rule. Um, sometimes uh, it's just fun to just see what happens. Like, if I would say I don't, I, I wouldn't mess around with the deck of many things in that regard unless I was ready to kind of wrap up the campaign anyway. So that's like an action in combat? Like, I pull a card from the deck of many things? Um, Yeah, that would be an action in combat. So, like, if you're really pushing for it, can is there like summon, summon a, I think an ally? There is a summon, like, a fiend or something that'll fight for Ooh. you or something. But, but I'm not sure. Again, like, I'm just, I'm talking out of my ass right now. I just know that it's along the lines of these things that we're saying. Yes, it's yes. this level of bullshit. Okay. So, yeah. Um, Neat. Not all treasure needs to have mechanical benefits, like, uh, you know, all these magic items, and not all treasure needs to necessarily be gold. There are other cool things you can give your players and by thinking outside the box, like things like parcels of land for, like, helping your kingdom. Now you own this dope-ass farm. Like sweet, and you hire employees yeah. to like you're basically exactly. playing Farmville. Yeah, now you're playing Farmville, <laughs> and like once a year you get a really big amount of gold from the harvest. Yeah, you there end your you adventure. You check on yeah. your farm. Fuck yes, uh, gold. Letter, letters of recommendation to get you into hard to get to places, and I mean like that we're are not about psychic like, paper. Like maybe like crazy legendary libraries of kings that are it's their private library, and only people with a letter of recommendation from one of their friends get ever get access to these libraries. So like. That's a library that like wizards in academies across the world would be dying to get into. Right, so, like that's okay. letters of recommendation, medals of honor, keys to the city, etc. Um, there are furthermore like less tangible things that you can give your players. There are blessings and there are boons. Um, blessings can be a lot of things. They're usually from some sort of deity, and they can be anything from like boosting a stat permanently to Ooh. yeah here's a magic item which honestly that's not much of a blessing because you could have just given them that magic item at some point in time yeah um but it is it's there. cool to get they're, like they're, story-wise you yeah. like the goddess of nature comes exactly. down and hands you the fucking thorn the, whip the of, of jesus of, yeah there you go <laughs> the thorn whip of jesus yeah though, you said okay sorry um it's okay <laughs> um but yeah like uh th- there's a list of blessings in the dungeon master's guide but also you could just you know play it by ear there are a thing called boons which are only for level 20 and beyond okay and some boons you say yeah they're called boons Boons. yeah and basically they're huge bonuses to ridiculous shit and i wish i could remember one off the top of my head but um it's just it's just really big stuff so like that's when theoretically you can keep playing beyond level 20 right and because the the xp is supposed to it's like, like a, it's like a soft level cap, right? It's a soft 20. level cap. And like you, if you if you look at the pattern of like how XP gains level to level, you can kind of uh, formulate how much XP to get to twenty one, then twenty two, twenty three, so on and so yeah. forth. Um, but I'm more, you won't I'm gain, more of a feel it out guy. Yeah, well, there's that too. But um, there's no features you're gonna gain. They're, your your class is done. You've capped out. Like, right. You, at this point, it's just HP and. Yeah, you've got your plus five going yeah. on, and, and I in guess your big proficiency stat. bonus. Because yeah, because that yeah. would kind of keep going up. But some one thing you can do is grant boons at whatever levels that you so choose to. So is it an item? Is it like an it's, you're imbued with power? You're or? just kind of well. It's up to you. It's basically like maybe it's just something that mystically happens as you begin to become a god. Maybe okay. it's like maybe it's something a god gives you, um, or maybe just you hit level twenty five, pick a boon. 
Like nice, you know, cool. It, it could be however you want it to be. Um, very few players are going to get to this stuff. This is level twenty and beyond. Like most people don't even get to level fifteen. Yeah, and based on like uh, we're starting from level one, we're going to end our campaign as you as you go along. Yeah, exactly. Because um, you can always start your campaign like we're level fifteen. We're sent out by the we're the king's greatest soldiers, Absolutely. and here we go. I would love to do a a one shot where it's like five level twenties and the the heavens are falling down. It's the end of the world. What do you do? Oh. Yeah, you know. So, like, yeah, here, here it is. Like, you know, the uh, Asmodeus himself has finally raised his armies, and he's actually going to do this shit. And like, you happen to be here right now. What do you do? Yes. <laughs> yeah, that's really that'd be, cool. That'd be fun. And you could just throw, throw, yeah. all, throw everything, throw yeah. everything yeah, at th- them. You know, whatever. The Tarask also shows up. What? <laughs> like, why? Asmodeus has disturbed the Tarask. Yeah, there you it's go. just doing its thing. Yeah. It's basically the Hulk wandering about. Yeah, basically. <laughs> So that's basically it on uh, on magic items, on loot, on treasure. Um, I'm sorry if that episode was a little messy. I'm really tired today. No, it's, it was good. I <laughs> mean, okay, like cool. we got. Uh, um, I feel like we didn't touch enough on uh, on homebrew because I, I plan on. Uh, okay. I plan on homebrewing most of my magic items. I think that's very common. Um, well, the thing is, we talked about homebrewing magic items in the homebrew episode. Yeah, so we did. if you if you heard us about that, I I recommend uh, you as a listener go and check that episode out. But um, you're basically there's a lot of reskinning that you could do, and sometimes you just gotta make shit up. But generally, like you you have to know. So to hand out loot effectively in your game, it's really you as a DM. You have to know what your economy system is going to be based in. Like what, what is too much? How much do things cost? And what, what's an equivalent reward for your players doing things? Sometimes you get lucky. Sometimes you stumble on wealth and like that could be an obstacle that you put in front of your players. I like how players uh, go about divvying up there. Like, oh, I put 70 gold in front of you guys. There's four of you. Here's, here's (laughs) what I would do. If you're having trouble trying to figure out how much is too much and uh, on top of it, most of your items are homebrewed. I would refer to the charts in the Dungeon Master's Guide and try and find items that are around the same level as what you're homebrewing. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, obviously you're eyeballing, like, what is the same power level of these of these right. objects? Excuse me. But, uh, and then I would kind of check the charts and see, like, okay, well, where are these items falling on the charts? And then kind of reference the charts because i i really do find those charts to be very helpful more so than other charts in this game and so. for magic what's the relationship between like your world and magic what what is what is magic's place in your world is it something that's yeah. like are you in a sci-fi film where like high technology is everywhere and so that's how magic is in your world there's yeah. high magic all the time everyone's yeah. got magic shit always yeah and you can totally fucking, do that people's fucking brooms are like sentient and sweeping yeah. the porch like, but if you're but if you're doing that where magic is that rampant and magic items are that prolific uh i would say you need to boost up the uh power of the monsters you're using because well depending uh, on the style of magic right like uh, there's mundane magics like a, like a broom sweeping. Well, I or just like, mean like if we live in a world where like getting your hands on even a plus one dragon slayer sword mm-hmm. isn't that difficult, you're going to need to boost up yes. the CR ratings of a lot of these monsters because it'll get really easy and you get you just yeah this unless is you a, want unbalanced game I guess that's fine too. Well, this is the ripple effect that it's going to have. Yeah, then and you should power creep, you so. as a DM should be aware like what. What are you doing when you give your players like all this extra bonus when the mechanics are set up to have these magic items be end game and rare? Right. You know, what what are you what are you doing to the campaign? And like you said, yeah, you're gonna need to buff up the the monsters if you want the game to be challenging. Absolutely. Um, so 
Yeah, I think I think we're good though. I, I don't really have yeah, too many. Yeah, I think we covered questions. it. If you got any questions, uh, just tweet at us. We'll yeah. see if we can answer them for Definitely. you. Definitely. Let's um, call it a game. Let's call it a game. See ya. All right. Greetings, adventurers. Today we're excited to introduce you to a new story, Dark Dice, a horror podcast that blurs the line between actual play and audio drama, where the story is determined by the roll of the dice. Six adventurers embark on a journey into the ruinous domain of the Nameless God. They will never be the same again. One of the players is now what they seem after a doppelganger, a creature that can assume the form and voice of whatever it kills, infiltrates the team. As the players are picked off and replaced one at a time, can they figure out who the monster is before it's too late? Can you? Here's a quick example of what our show sounds like. The, uh, shambler with the jar of liquid inside of him. Soren Arkwright let loose an arrow that cracked the glass, passing through the spine of the creature. The shambler still managed to maintain its forward momentum, but stumbled as it eagerly tried to bite and swipe at Soren, landing near his feet. As Jeff Goldblum has now joined our cast, Dark Dice is available however you listen to podcasts.